Take your Bibles and be turning to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to be reading a familiar text to us. Verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Let's pray. <clears throat> Our gracious heavenly father, Lord, I uh, thank you for this opportunity to uh, be used by you to proclaim the truths of your word. Lord, I pray that you'll hide me behind the cross, strengthen my voice. May the words of my mouth, Lord, and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer, be with us this evening. May we learn to lean on you in confidence. May we learn to trust you in the ways that we should. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning after the morning service, uh, I received a message from one of the greatest childhood babysitters of all time. I grew up across the street from Sister Lucia Wilder, and uh, everybody loved her so much that her own grandkids got angry when people who wasn't her grandkids argued about she being our mammal too. We loved her so much. One day my, grand my mother sent me out to my grandmother's house for an onion, and Lucille called her and said, Kathy, what do you want? <laughs> Well, she texted me after the morning service. He said, you said that Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And then she gave me the breakdown that it wasn't two-thirds of the New Testament that Paul wrote. I tried to quote Brother Head as the resource that gave me two-thirds of the New Testament. She said, you have to be careful who you follow. <laughs> Trust, but verify. This text here, uh, they oftentimes tell us and when you take Bible courses, when you're trying to explain the word of God, that one of the key things to do is to find illustrations. Now, you can't make an illustration your entire sermon, but it is good to take illustrations and make them key for bringing the hearer or the reader to a deeper place of understanding or comprehension of the word of God. It's to take the physical and uh, take the spiritual and apply it to the physical so that we could get a better understanding. And this brings about a clarity for us at times in understanding the word of God. Uh, what's presented here by the writer, though, is no complicated text at all. Matter of fact, it is a text of the most simplistic understanding the text says trust in the Lord matter of fact this text is probably familiar to most of us uh, when we even said turn to Proverbs 3 5 and 6 we probably started to say trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not under thine own understanding I mean it probably began to flow through our minds it is a text that we learn early in our Youth, for those who've grown up in the church, it is a text we learn almost, it seems, right after John 3.16, learning Proverbs 
3, 5, and 6. It is a simple exhortation. It is simple to understand. And yet, while it is so simple to understand, it is just not so simple to do. The author says, trust in the Lord. Trust means to have confidence in something. It means that we are confident in someone. It is to say that we are made bold because of. It is to feel secure because of. The last definition that strong concordance offers up in trust, it is said that it is a word that when you say it about something or when you say about someone, it is to imply that this something or this someone brings you to a place where you are careless about your woes because you have trust in this object. The other day I spoke to Brother Kenny Frazier and he had me laugh and he had recently left his job at Graders and started his new career at Cincinnati Bell. Well, one of the things that he was explaining to me that you have to do prior to being certified is they teach you about something called gaffing. Gaffing is this job that you get when you have to climb up and down the pole. The key is, though, when you're gaffing, you have to learn to trust the equipment. If you don't trust the equipment, you're going to find yourself clinging to the pole. He said that it's often easy to find people who do not trust the equipment because the people who do not trust the equipment end up with a lot of splinters on the inside of their legs because they've decided to trust their grip instead of the equipment. I said to myself, is that not how many believers are today? They claim that they are trusting God through this life But the problem is they also have a lot of splinters where they're trying to hold on to situations with their own grip. They have every reason to trust God. He has never failed. He has never come up short. And yet we still seem to grasp a hold of things with our own hands. This is not a new age issue, so to say. It's an age-old problem. And that is why the prophet here is trying to encourage the reader, the hearer, to trust in the Lord. You know, I wonder how many of us, if we were honest with ourselves or just acknowledge our entire past week, how many steps of faith you have taken this past week? Meaning, how many steps of faith have we taken? Meaning that, I mean, in the most simplistic ways, we have a a, a theory of trust that we put shoes on that we believe that we trust that it's going to protect our feet. We put our seatbelt on because we trust it's it's a step of faith. We believe that if we're in an accident, that this is going to protect us in this accident. We build up a savings because we trust if we build up a savings that if something bad happens, that we can trust that this money will take care of the problems. We all have trust in something. We need to recognize that. The author doesn't say that We need to learn to trust. We, no matter what we do, live a life of faith. We live a life of trusting something. 
That's not what the proverb is after. The, the writer is saying not that you need to learn to trust. It's that we need to learn to trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord in times of affliction. Trust in the Lord in times of temptation. Trust in darkness. Trust in his power. Trust in his presence. Trust in his pardon. Trust in his protection. And that is the emphasis of this statement that we will learn to trust in the Lord. Notice also, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. This is not a conditional form of trust. That's not what he's saying. This is not a trust when it comes to spiritual matters, but not financial. This is not trust when it comes to financial, but not with our normal family matters. This is a a open-ended trust wholeheartedly in the Lord, regardless of the situation, regardless of what life brings. The word of God is teaching us that we must trust in the Lord. Remember what Job said in his situation in Job chapter 13 and verse 15. He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. This is not a situational trust. This is a full leaning upon who God is in our life. Notice also he does not only call for an adjustment of our trust, meaning that we should stop trusting in ourselves, but that we should trust in the Lord. The adjustment of this trust is that we trust in the Lord with all our hearts. It is interesting that um, we oftentimes apply a set of rules or instructions when it comes to trusting the things of this life. When we get a new vehicle, we have to gain trust in it. We say, well, I think she's roadworthy now. Nothing's happened. It's not broke down. When we meet somebody new, we say, well, we don't know how much we really trust them yet. Our life, there's a time process before we apply this confession that we trust them. Yet when it comes to God, it seems that we apply a different set of rules. Well, how do we know that we apply these different set of rules? Because if we applied the same rules that we reason with people, we would already trust in the Lord. And the truth is, God has never came up short. He's never came up short. God has never failed us where he has not proven to us that he can provide. He's never come up short where he has said, oh, I, sorry, I couldn't defend you. He's always proven that he could defend us, that he could provide for us. The writer in this text challenges the, lead, the readers, the hearers, to trust in the Lord. No, he doesn't say, just stop thinking. This isn't what he's challenging us to do. He's not saying stop thinking and just mindlessly trust the Lord. He's saying that we have every reason in this world to trust the Lord. It is the logical conclusion when you observe the matter that we should trust the Lord. As we survey all the things that the Lord has done in our lives, the logical conclusion is that we trust in the Lord. Well, when he, we see what he did with his people in the Old Testament, the children of Israel, it is that we trust in the Lord. When we see what he provided in the New Testament, when there was no way, he made a way for us while we were yet sinners. The logical conclusion for someone who cared for us on this behalf was that we would trust the Lord. So the author says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. 
He doesn't ask the writer to not be rational. He doesn't say, don't study. No, the, the challenge is to study, to be rational and realize who God is. Isaiah went through this. Matter of fact, when you read in the first chapter of Isaiah, chapter 1 and verse 18, he says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Reason out what God can do. Reason out what God has done. The Bible repeatedly paints the imagery of those who will just trust in the Lord. Jeremiah 17 and verse 7 says, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. I don't know if it's ever occurred to us, but the writer here is saying that there is no reason that a child of God should ever live in doubt. There is never a reason a child of God should live in fear. There is never a reason where a child of God should live in anxiety. There's never a reason that we should live in worry. There's never a reason where we should allow ourselves to live in stress. It is that we live in a constant state of trust, trusting in the Lord. Notice also here quickly that uh, not only do we see the object of our trust, it's in the Lord. But notice the outcome of the lack of trust. He said, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Several years ago when we was down in Florida on vacation, we was excited. We rented an upper level on this condo. Me, my mom, and my family went down. And what I realized pretty quickly is that I can't stand Florida. But we were all huddled up in the air conditioning in the condo. And we had the um, Venetian slide back so we could at least see the ocean, even though we didn't want to be in it. And before long, we heard these people screaming, help, help, help. And we looked out, and as we looked out, there was this mother and daughter who had been swept away in the riptide. Well, the interesting thing is about this situation that as it's unfolding is that they clearly had it marked on the beach with flags that it, it's dangerous to swim. But this mother and daughter had arrived at this belief system that they trusted in themselves and that they didn't really need the input of others, that they could actually handle this riptide. Well, before long, there was this amazing rescue of these two ladies who had been swept off in the riptide. It was heroic. I wish I could tell you, I was like, I'm going down there, but I couldn't. But I was up there crying like, he got him, he got him. <laughs> I'm just too emotional. But they had trusted in their abilities more than 
the advice of people who had mastered how water works. Men should never depend upon their own understanding. And the reason we should never depend upon our own understanding, the reason we should never depend upon our own wisdom is because our wisdom is darkened by sin. Our wisdom is tainted. Romans 3.11 is still true. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 22 said, For my people is foolish. They have not known me. They are sottish children, and they have none understanding. They are wise to do evil, but to do good they have no knowledge. Now, this is the state of the natural man. This is why we don't lean on our own understanding. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit in blood. Yes, we have this new life, but we are still tainted by sin. We see here also, I found this to be interesting. He said, and lean not on thine own understanding. In the Strong's Concordance, there is a reference given to this word lean. In the Hebrew, it is from the word shawan. The other time that this is used in the Old Testament was in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 6. When you arrive there, or 2 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 6, when you arrive at that text, this is the text where the Bible says that Saul had leaned upon his sword and committed suicide. Can I reason this with us this evening? That if we lean upon our own understanding, the only thing we are doing is setting ourselves up for spiritual suicide. That if we trust within ourselves, the only thing that we are doing is setting ourselves up for failure. There is even a greater danger when we lean upon our own understanding. Now he says, trust God in everything. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. We all stand in danger of organizing our own plans and then turning around and asking God to bless the direction in which we choose. That's usually how it seems to go. We envision what we want to do and once we formulate how it's all going to turn out, then we turn to God in prayer and say, this is a grand plan. Bless it. This is not how God has laid out the Christian walk. I mean, even when we talked about Job, right? He said, though he slay me, yet I'll trust him. See, the problem is with our own minds, we like clarity. Clarity brings comfort. That's why we continuously find ourselves trying to map out our Christian life. That's why we continuously try to find ourselves mapping out how we're going to take steps, whether it be in our life or whether it be in our ministry. We map it out because we like clarity. That is the exact opposite of what this text teaches. It's not that you move in clarity. It's that you move because of who you trust. Job said, I don't know where, how this is all going to turn out, but I trust it. I don't know 
what's at the end of the road for me here? I don't know how much worse it can get, but I still trust in the Lord. We have to get to a place in our own spiritual lives where we remove the desire for clarity and insert this word trust. Now, when we, when we insert clarity, it makes no sense. But when we insert trust, then we find ourselves to whom we're going to trust. And that is why he says, trust in the Lord. Trusting in the Lord is not about, seek, it's not about seeking God and then using him. It's about following him. It's not about how, it's not about saying that he is following you. This uh, Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 and 6, it really brings the believer to say, where is God in my business decisions? Where is God in my financial decisions? Where is God in my budding relationships with a girl or with a guy? Where is God in ministry opportunities? Where is God even in these things? This is where we often get confused. We say, God is blessing me. Then where is he at in the blessing? Sometimes I think we say that this is a blessing and we won't realize that Satan is trying to get us to bite the bait. Where is God in the blessing? In all our ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct our paths. It was said that the day before Abraham Lincoln's 52nd birthday, he left Springfield, Illinois to become the president of the United States. With the threat of civil war looming, he said goodbye to the friends and neighbors who had come to see him off. He said, I now leave, not knowing when or whether ever I may return with a task before me greater than that which rested upon Washington. Without the assistance of divine being, whoever attended him, I cannot succeed. Without that assistance, well, excuse me, with that assistance from God, I cannot fail. Trusting in him who can go with me and remain with you and be everywhere for good, let us confidently hope that all yet will be well. To his care, commending you, as I hope in your prayers, as you will commend me, I bid you in an affectionate fair well, what Lincoln was saying here is exactly what we just said. Clarity. There was no clarity about how his situation was going to turn out. Just simple trust that God was in control. Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 23 says, O oh Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Psalms chapter 37 in verse 23 says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. <clears throat> There's so much, I think there's so much more that could be said about this text here, about trusting in the Lord, trusting in the Lord. And may we all leave here this evening 
trusting in the Lord. The command from the writer is to trust the Lord. It's not to trust anything except the Lord. And if we'll trust in the Lord instead of our own understandings and acknowledge him, he will direct our paths. That is how the steps of a good man are ordered. They're ordered by the Lord. Our steps are not ordered by us. But they're only ordered by the Lord when we trust in him. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to preach your word. Lord, I pray that you'll be with us this evening. Lord, may you give us all safe travels home, Lord. May we leave out of here reminding on who we represent, Lord. May we leave here this evening engaging in each other's spiritual battles, Lord, in the matter of prayer. May we leave here trusting you with all of the situations that are before us. We give thanks to you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.